Hello and welcome to Quadrivia, the podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia and into the minds of the people who craft it. I'm Jeff with RMT Trivia in Chicago. And I'm Jason with Liquid Courage Entertainment, also in Chicago. Jeff, how the heck are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Why, why haven't you been to my house for dinner? You live so close. Oh, it's, but yeah, it's mostly the it's mostly the pandemic. Mostly the everything, right? Yeah, mostly mostly the everything. But you know, also, I, sometimes I find you you're pregnant. Gotcha. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, good news. This isn't just you and me blathering on. We do have not one but two very special guests to bring to the fold. First timers on Quadrivia, and I'm going to take a moment and first uh, allow Paul to introduce himself. Let everybody know who he is, where he's from. Hi, guys. I'm Paul from the Hollywood Cast Connection podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. I am uh, definitely a novice when it comes to bar trivia sorts of things, so I'm pretty much going to be a student hanging out with the masters today, but I really appreciate the invite. Oh, my, my dear sweet friend never uh, insult us by calling us masters. Actually, never insult the masters by calling us masters. Yeah. Uh, we make just a little bit of money to pretend to be almost good at this. <laughs> Well, you uh, you've got a fan in me in any case, and I'm I'm honored to be here. <laughs> Is that like a weird Transformers meets Toy Story direct to DVD knockoff video? I didn't know about. <laughs> you've got a fan in me. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Speaking of fans, I'm a big fan of our other guest from the Triviality Podcast, Neil. How the heck are you? Hey, uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, I, I think there's actually a company called Oscillating Studios probably making that straight video movie for you. <laughs> uh, of any of us, I imagine. Transmorphers. <laughs> Transmorphers. I, do you guys remember GoBots? And be honest oh, on this, please. Yeah. Were they just like dollar store Transformers? Am I remembering that correctly? Or was there like a whole universe behind them? If, if I remember correctly, they were first but they never caught on as much and they got relegated. They're like the Hydrox of Transformers. I could be 100% yeah, I was say of the my own on Transformers, but... Yeah, yeah, wouldn't but the I, Hydrox of Transformers be the first, though? Wouldn't Transformers yeah, be well, the that's Hydrox? what I mean. The GoBots, the GoBots were the, the, the transforming toys that were the Hydrox to the Transformers better Oreos. Ah, okay. <laughs> and then, so then we need a Michael... What you're saying is we need a Michael Bay Go-Go Bots. Or GoBots, not oh. GoGoBots. I'm thinking of the band. <laughs> oh, now I'm picturing Michael Bay and GoGo Boots for some reason. And thank you for that image. I will never get out of my head. <laughs> I was going to say a stupid Digimon thing, and then I completely forgot about it. And that's fine. We're doing this live. Yeah. <laughs> GoBots, GoBots beat Transformers to the market by a whole year. Wow. And this but is the podcast just, now. We're just talking about yeah. 80s nostalgic toys. Yep. Just This is now the Transformers podcast. Welcome to the Transformers podcast, the podcast that takes you a step behind GoBots. And into the minds of Transformers. So this this podcast is more than meets the ear. Uh, God, I knew you you open the door. Somebody had to walk through it. <laughs> I will say as we we finally get the hell off this Transformers tangent, we're on for no good reason. <laughs> when you're six years old in 1987, any toy is a Transformer if you break it hard enough. <laughs> break it or making it better. No. <laughs> six. Breaking it. Yeah. So sorry, Neil, the, the entire digression into Transformers kind of cut you off a little bit. Tell us a little bit more about you and, and Triviality. No, I appreciate it. Uh, well, many of you probably heard my co-host Matt uh, on a previous episode talking about sports trivia. Um, yeah, we have a podcast called Triviality. It's a weekly pub trivia style game show podcast. Uh, we like to keep episodes 
under an hour. We we also say that it's where lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge, the catchphrase that Matt uh, couldn't remember on his own episode. Um, so I did it one. But uh, yeah, we uh, we just have a very uh, a fun, casual um, weekly game uh, with bonuses and tournaments and uh, extra special episodes that come out every now and then. And um, we just uh, we really appreciate everyone who listens to us. If you haven't heard us before, you know, give us a try. And um, you know, we promise we're we're not too concerned with winning. We just like putting out uh, fun content and inviting some great guests. No, I, I am a huge fan of your show, as I'm sure that you know, uh, because we, you and I have a little bit of a history, don't we? We do, yeah. Our uh, previous lives, uh, you were a sultan and uh, I was a princess, and it, it went well. But uh, in the modern age, um, we uh, we met each other through uh, pub trivia. We did. You and uh, the rest of the Triviality crew were just kind of pop-in regulars at my Monday night show. And for whatever reason, you liked me enough to come back and became regulars and then became a very competitive team, which everybody had a love-hate relationship with. <laughs> uh, and then I got to know you. And if I recall correctly, this would be about four years. Holy crap. Is it four years now? Yeah. So I, I believe our first episode went up uh, in 2017 and we would have been playing trivia with you. Um, yeah. In 2016. And uh, it was such a, a quick progression as well because we were playing your trivia every night the way it sort of started was ken was like uh who's a host on the show uh and and helps edit the show uh he was saying hey there's a, a trivia that uh, you might enjoy if you ever want to go let me know and i had gone um just randomly without him and and really enjoyed your style i thought um the way you write trivia um is is great and the fact that it's 60 seconds you know to answer a question is more my speed uh, you're kind of answering off of god and instinct and not overthinking it and so um, I really enjoyed it. And then we kept, you know, we brought Jeff on, we brought Matt on, and then um, it just sort of snowballed from there. And then we had the the pleasure of meeting Jeff uh, and seeing him do his trivia live, which was a great experience as well. He's an awesome writer. And uh, and then it kind of just opened us up to this world. And, uh, you know, we're really grateful that we were able to, um, you know, make a little uh, space for ourselves. Yeah, can I can I level with you on three separate but related points uh, coming off of that, Neil? Sure. One, you're more famous than me in trivia now. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh no, you super are. Uh, two, that makes me very sad. But three, I could not be prouder of you and the rest of the boys. I am <laughs> so amazed by by the niche in the space that you have found and and kind of exploded. Uh, everybody knew about you know years ago. Good job, brain, and then trivia warfare exploded onto the space. Um, I, I say this with all the praise that you have earned. You are probably, in my estimation the best straight up trivia game podcast that exists right now. Oh, wow. Here, well, that's here, here. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, that, uh, that means a lot. And, um, you know, just the compliment, um, that you just paid us, um, you know, a lot of it is, is due to, uh, your inspiration, whether it was conscious or subconscious. I mean, the, 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 the game that you provide and the service that you provide, um, you know, really inspired us and, and got the the juices flowing, so to speak. And, uh, you know, obviously there, there really wouldn't be a triviality unless there was liquid courage entertainment where we were all able to meet together and find that, uh, camaraderie to make the show. Oh no, no. My rump roast is getting very hickory flavored with all the smoke you're blowing up my ass right now. Uh, that said, do you know what my favorite movie based trivia podcast is? Wink segue Paul. <laughs> <laughs> that would be Hollywood cast connection and a great, uh, jumping off point into, the reason that the two of you were selected to be on this episode, our discussion topic today, uh, my fine feathered friends, is film trivia. 
uh, writing rounds, writing questions about all things movie trivia. So I figure um, we can get kind of a, a jumping off point on this discussion. And um, if you three just want to tell me, do you like movies? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah, of course. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, they are one of the black holes that I fall into when I'm writing trivia. And we've talked about writing to our own strengths before. And there are a lot of times where I'll be like, of course, I'm going to ask a question about the movie Basketball because everybody has seen that movie and like nobody has. <laughs> Including yeah, but not limited to Victoria Silstead. Playmate, yeah, of, playmate the of the Year, of course. But uh, and that's one of the reasons why I like writing movie trivia so much is because it has helped me as a avid fan of film and movies to kind of broaden my horizons of what I've seen, what I like to watch and pay attention to. Um, all for the purposes of writing a better trivia game. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, I echo that uh, that statement. I mean, me personally, um, you know, movies are sort of uh, sort of my life. You know, I do it uh, for work and, and my career, but also um, before the pandemic hit, uh, a lot of people go to the gym or the spa or get massages or whatever. But usually my uh, relaxation space was, you know, in between the walls of a movie theater, like in the dark movie theater watching mm -hmm. a film. So um, so I'm missing that, obviously. But um, like Jeff was saying, uh, when it comes to trivia, really, movies are the only thing I'm good at, uh, maybe pop culture as a whole, but movies is really my only strong suit. So I'm not really a seasoned trivia player. But I think um, whether it, it is answering or whether it's writing questions, for some reason, the only way it makes sense to me is if I can, like Jeff said, make a reference to a movie. Um, or if it's science, geography, history, any question like that, the only way I can get to it is by thinking of a movie that that uh, thing <laughs> happened in. So that's the only way that works for me. Well, sure, sure. And the upshot to that is there have been movies like Quiz Show and Slumdog Millionaire, which are just trivia games wrapped up in nice gooey packaging. So you have some ins that you wouldn't necessarily know you have if you hadn't picked it up in a film. That's compared to other uh, formats like like for pop culture trivia like music or literature or you know broadway or whatever it, film is the most all-encompassing of the human experience i guess is what i'm trying to say so in terms of just pulling up random ass knowledge it's likely that you learned it from a movie that that tracks to me uh how about you paul i love movies and it's fantastic for me because the point i'm at right now in my life is the point of being brand new to cinephilia if you will because i was a kid like yesterday um <laughs> i was born in 99 so oh my lot... lord you are a child and i love it <laughs> sweet sweet summer the, child uh... <laughs> right but all of the big movies that everybody talks about all the time as the movies existed way way before i did um and you know my interest in them and my ability to watch them unhinged is fairly new, so it's it's a whole new world for me right now. Uh, you'll hear if you listen to um, Hollywood Cast Connection. I'm, and you uh, should. <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank you for that. I'm uh, I'm a lot better at the kids' movies because that was that was Be my uh, my life yesterday. And, and you've only been able to watch R-rated movies for about three weeks at this point. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, but that's what's so fantastic about it. It's it's. It's new for me. And as far as uh, writing rounds and everything for our show goes, um, you know, I've been drinking age for six months. So bar oh trivia, and, you know, the, the 
the general uh, construct of questions and all of that cleverness, that's, that's all brand new uh, to me. But I grew up on games. You know, I grew up watching Jeopardy mm-hmm. and playing Trivial Pursuit and all of that. So, uh, you know, and then playing essentially the Six Degrees game that we play on the show. Um, so really when it comes down to it for us, everything is, is already pre-written, basically pre-made. We just pull out the randomness and uh, it's super fun for me because I get to learn something new from Sam. That's my brother, the the other, my brother, the other host. <laughs> who is just a genius uh, when it comes to movies. And, you know, I get to learn from him and he gets to make fun of the weird things I pull out of my head from kids' movies he didn't know existed. And <laughs> and then we play, you know, little fun rounds at the end that is essentially just more information that was already there that, you know, it, we'll pull from triviality shows, you know, like we'll, we'll, we'll pull from their structure to – to make the questions or com- from complete the list. Or we had, uh, we had quiz, quiz, bang, bang, come on. And we, uh, we created oh, nice. a, I like them. a bang, bang round, you know, where we said name as many of these as you can in 30 seconds. So just depending on whoever the guest is, you know, we'll kind of construct our special features round based on what their niche is kind of in the podcast trivia industry. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's worked out great. We just, we're a brand new startup pretty much, and it's been nothing but fun. And like, I get to hang out with you guys because we just started doing a podcast. So, yeah, I, the podcast space is really just 12 people talking to each other in 50 different ways. <laughs> it's got to be nice, man. And I just want to get this in before Jeff uh, hops in and derails my thought process. It's got to be nice to not have to write content for your podcast. <laughs> and just pull literally names out of a hat. That's got to be nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. stressed for about 10 minutes a week when I have to come up with the special features round. And then, you know, once that's done, we just have fun. <laughs> See, Jeff, we, we approach this the entirely wrong way. Yeah, we should. <laughs> let's maybe reset and rethink how we do things. But Paul, as someone who is 21, and I, man, Ugh. that feels so <laughs> far away right now. As someone who's 21, uh, what how do you approach movies from before you were born? The reason that I ask is because most of uh, the trivia guests that we would normally host trivia to in the bars and stuff, they're at least 21-ish years old, generally. (laughs) Um, And so we kind of have a pretty ideal range of when to pull movies and you know like how far back do we go at what point is it no longer nostalgic uh, you know stuff like that so how how do you deal with the trivia space where stuff from the 80s and 90s is just huge currently i should oh, say oh god before you answer that i just realized that you are younger than the matrix <laughs> oh my god I, w- yeah. I, I was going to come in and say that, uh, you know, Paul, uh, no disrespect. Uh, when I was singing Good Riddance at my grammar school graduation, it was not because of your birth. Grammar <laughs> school graduation? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, we're surrounded by children, Jeff. <laughs> Wait, you mean Good Riddance, the Green, Green Day, Day song? song? Yeah. Oh, my God. Which I sang for my eighth grade graduation. And then I believe I sang it the next year in high school. It was like such a big song. And every time I hear it now, um, after editing it into maybe like a dozen graduation videos over my life, I just I can't hear it anymore. Oh, I feel so (laughs) old. Oh, my God. My bones hurt more all of a sudden. 
<laughs> anyway, there, there was a question on the table to Paul before yeah, we uh, derailed sorry. and talked him. Uh, something about old movies like those from 1999. Discuss. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, you know, in in the pop culture, I've heard about all of that stuff and heard references and titles of movies and things, but I didn't know what any of them meant. I didn't have any understanding as to what mm-hmm. they, the references were. And that's why I say it's so much fun for me now because now I'm at the point where I can go and watch them and learn and remember all the references that I heard before and then pull them up as I'm really seeing the things play out before my eyes. Um, And I don't know. It's fantastic to me. I I love to learn the the culture of the time before me, of the times before me. I see what you're saying. Of the zeitgeists, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and, and through cinema, especially because like I go to watch a movie now and mm-hmm. I'll sit in the theater and watch the movie and go, oh, my gosh, that was so crazy. And then think about, you know, The Matrix or whatever, a movie that came out before I was able to go to the theater and try to put myself in that headspace, you know, of a person that was sitting in the theater watching that for the first time as a brand new thing, you know, without having to hear all of the references before you ever even knew what it was. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it, it's, it's just fascinating. I don't really know how else to yeah. say it. Some of us learned there was no spoon in real time. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us watched all three movies, two of them in theaters on purpose and made mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that happens sometimes making mistakes in movie theaters. Um, George Costanza can tell you about that. Uh, I think what, what Paul was saying, though, is is true. I mean, I think zeitgeist is the perfect word. I mean, I'm I'm not going to go too far into the weeds because I'm I'm just a film nerd and and uh, I, especially of history and whatnot. But um, you know, if you look at all just all the different periods, I mean, you could write, you know, you could have an entire podcast, honestly, about the silent film era or you know the golden age and then the introduction of the Hayes Code, where film noir comes in, and uh, you know, like uh, New Hollywood, post classical Hollywood, all that kind of stuff. And there's just so many different um, avenues for trivia because there are so many ebbs and flows in the way that, um, the industry has worked that, um, it really is sort of the, uh, the never ending, um, source for either questions or, um, just, you know, topics to bring up and, and the way movies are made and how they're made differently now and all that kind of stuff. So it, it is, uh, it is pretty fascinating. And I think, um, obviously we're doing a podcast about it today and you can tell why, cause it's important. Yeah. Well, I it personally, and we talked about this a little bit, um, on the sports podcast, actually, when I was talking about how you never met anybody that says they don't like movies, they only like specific movies. You know, nobody says I don't like movies, period. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because there's people that don't like sports at all just because there's not a sport that that likes them. But because of the wide range, the the different genres and eras that have, you know, it's almost 100 years since the very first Oscars. You know, oh, no, they're 1939. So it's it's 80 years since the very first Oscars, you know, like 27, 27. Yeah. Wings. Was it 27? I thought it was 39. Oh, no, I'm thinking. Never mind. I'm thinking of the first. um, It was the first color Oscar was 39, I think. Right. I'm pretty sure it was 29 because uh, my uh, fascination with the zeitgeist will show on on the podcast because. I've written games about, you know, movies through the decades and awards through the decades. And I'm pretty sure the uh, the artist or uh, I made a reference to the artist from 2012 that went all the way back to 1927, which was Sunrise. You know, it was like the silent movie that won all the awards in the first Oscars of 29, which was a couple of years after it had 
been released. So I think yeah. 29. 29 was definitely the the first ceremony. Yeah, because the the movie that won uh, uh, was Wings, which was 27. Yeah. No, yeah. Paul, uh, Paul and or uh, Neil, you guys might know the answer to this better than I do. Did Tim Daly end up winning the Oscar for Best Actor for Wings? <laughs> no, it, it was uh, it was Stephen Weber. Stephen Weber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that you just nonchalantly threw the other name from Wings in there. Well, Tony Shalhoub. So, Oscar, yeah. So yeah, as we've discussed, uh, a, a wide variety of of genres and time frames have come across in film in the last. We're calling it a hundred years, for lack of better, having a better uh, time frame understanding. What <laughs> works the best in your estimation for fodder for? Uh, pub trivia or podcast trivia or just trivia content in general? Ooh, that's a great question. Uh, well, I think um, I'll just start off the conversation here. I think uh, really sort of the the gold standard, pun intended, is, is you kind of just go to the Oscars because it's it's sort of a, it's a, it's almost like, you know, World Series or I, I don't want to say Olympics because I, I don't like Olympics questions because I'm not good at them. But um, you have a, you have a, uh, a meter for, I guess, for the zeitgeist, like we talked about earlier. So you know, okay, well, Titanic, uh, what what was going on during the world then, and um, and and it won the Oscar, and and uh, you know the nineteen ninety eight Oscars, nineteen ninety seven film, and then you can kind of go from there and go, what happened before Titanic, what happened after, and I think the Oscars are a good way to um, to sort of have that um, that uh, line of thinking in your mind when you're thinking uh, of an answer to a question. So uh, even though sometimes they're really hard, I think uh, the Oscars mm -hmm. definitely help. Yeah, you're, you're always in kind of a safe place when it comes to Oscars, because like you said, with, you know, sports championships or, uh, you know, world capital cities, they're they're the fairest of fair game in a sense. Yeah, yeah. And you, I think always, you can always pin it down to going, well, you know, if you didn't know this, I don't think that it was an impossible question because it won six Oscars and, you know, it might be before your time, but it's for lack of a better word, it's fair game. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, I think what you're saying there, too, though, uh, actually, is uh, you said it earlier about fair game, about writing questions. I think a lot of times people who write questions, they get worried. Oh, well, is doc the cabinet of Dr. Caligari like too obscure or is sunrise too obscure? But if you look at the the Oscars. Um, really, you know, even though a lot of times the most popular film, quote unquote, of the year doesn't win the Oscar, um, and sometimes they are more obscure films. If a mm -hmm. film does win an Oscar, it's definitely going to be more fair game because it, it was celebrated by, you know, the community of people who voted on the Oscars and the audiences who watched the Oscars. So it's not like you're, you're pulling, uh, you know, like Salo, uh, you know, a different reference to something only like niche people would love, but you're pulling something that was widely recognized, which I think is definitely fair game. Yeah, and it also obviously depends on what kind of target get rate and what kind of target audience that you're aiming for on the questions. Uh, just to bring you know my two cents into this, I am a sucker for 80s and 90s movie questions. And do you know why? Because that was the era in which I was watching movies. <laughs> um, you know, I, I was born in 1981, Paul. <laughs> so anything before that time if i caught it i caught it you know on cable or you know as it re-ran on tv uh not a huge fan of and i'm going to use the term classic to define anything from like the mid 70s and earlier just to pin it down never hit me that hard was never a big fan of like the classic uh hitchcock films or the movie musicals and i at least as a child i'm developing that appreciation more and more as i get older but I know the movies I saw as a kid, as a teenager, 
uh, as an adult before I had responsibilities and children and can't leave the house anymore. So that like 20 year period, and I will admit to this during my games, is my wheelhouse. I probably go harder in the paint one on questions there because I know them better. Therefore, I assume players know them better. And two, because I have a lack of options. I can't tell you what a difficult, for instance, taxi driver question is. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen taxi driver. <laughs> I'm aware of it culturally and I know facts about it, but I really couldn't give you much of the plot structure except for I read a synopsis on Wikipedia. Yeah, I, that's I know what you mean. And I think one of the hard things I deal with um, when writing trivia, movie trivia specifically, is, um, you know, movies really are my only strong suit. And that's the thing that I love. It's all I kind of consume all day. And so when I'm writing questions, I'm always worried like, uh, oh, this, you know, this topic is like too easy. And this this one is way too easy. But then I realize, oh, wait a minute, this is me in my own head trying to answer these questions. And I, I really have a hard time um, writing them actually more so than any other question, because I always either give too many hints because I'm worried that someone's not going to get it, or I don't give enough hints because I think it's too easy, but it's actually like incredibly hard. Yeah. yeah, I understand what you're saying on that for sure, especially knowing that you are kind of known now more than ever before in the trivia world as the quote unquote movie trivia guy. Uh, you know, you, yeah. you and the, you and the crew at Triviality have your own specific niches that you lean into very actively in your formats. And you are absolutely known as the trivia, uh, the movie guy. That's why you're on this episode specifically. <laughs> oh, well, so, well <laughs> what I'll say to that is a, a hard text taxi driver question would have been, what's the name of the presidential candidate that uh, he wants to assassinate. And that's uh, Palantine. There, there's a hard one for you. <laughs> you mean like the, the suburb, like an hour from three of us? <laughs> yes, exactly. I, it's so funny because I always think in my head that it's Palpatine and I have to remember it. It's not. So. <laughs> yeah, I've got to, I've got to keep in my head. And this is a Chicago trivia problem. I have to keep in my head Palatine, Palestine and Palpatine. <laughs> uh, Paul, you know better than I think anybody else how trash I am at 21st century films, which is presumably your wheelhouse for reasons that we've gone into in detail. How do you write questions about, or what do you think, I guess would be a better question. What do you think about uh, movie trivia that leans more in the modern area uh, era questions about movies that came out in the last year or two that you have this uncertainty that your players or your listeners have even had an opportunity to see the movie? Oh, that is a good question. Um, uh, our entire show is based on, you know, connections to other things that successful people in the industry have done. Um, and, and generally like when I'm writing a, a trivia round, I'll pull, like, I'll ask for a guy who starred in something, a guy who directed something, um, and then try to dig a little bit through their portfolio and pull something that, might be more obscure to me, but probably someone else could pick up on mm -hmm. and, and then ask for more, like, um, you know, we just do, we play with the rules all the time. It's not a, it's not like a set structure for a trivia round, like on your episode, you know, when we played basketball basically, <laughs> and I was asking for a two point shot, tell me who directed the movie. And then I gave you a chance for three free throws where you told me three other movies that they directed. So if you could, you know, click it together to one, you get chance for points on all of it. But I mean, that's just the way that I try to write because I understand that probably my wheelhouse, considering not just my age, but also the kind of stuff that I'm actually into movie wise. Um, 
<laughs> is different than just about anybody else. Um, okay. I think that that's that's a really great point for all trivia writers. Uh, if you find yourself in a place where you're not sure, you know, like Neil was also saying too, you want to add maybe a couple extra clues with movies. You have this giant web. Everybody that was in that movie, with the exception of people who just showed up, have mm -hmm. have directed something else or been in something else, and you could maybe, you know, herd the players towards thinking about a specific person by maybe mentioning something else. Like, so there's definitely there's definitely backdoors into asking about modern cinema that people may not have even seen yet. Like it is killing me inside that I have not seen Tenet yet. I want to go see it really badly, but I don't want to go to the theaters and I don't want to watch it on my TV. I want to see it on the theater, but I don't want to go to the theater. So um, today I learned there was a movie called Tenet. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the new Christopher Nolan movie. What's yep. funny about Tenet is it's, uh, you know, a lot of people have been seeing it, but a lot of people haven't been hearing it. And that's an inside film joke there. <laughs> you know, sound mixing. That <laughs> I just on my that. Facebook feed or my, my Reddit feed today. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, that's my biggest bone to pick with Chris Nolan. I won't go too far on a tangent. I won't pull a, a Jeff here, but um, hey. I, oh. sorry, I, I enjoy your tangents, but uh, like 83, from, hey. I got that one from 670. Um, but uh, no, I was going to say Chris <laughs> Nolan... Um, he, uh, my biggest bone to pick with him is he just does not care about his sound mixes and you can never, you know, fully hear his characters. And I love, I think I'm sure it's the same article that you were talking about, Jason, that he said, uh, he doesn't understand why people are so conservative about sound, which, you know, if characters are talking, you want to hear what they're saying. It is a movie. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was and, my biggest problem with Tenet as well. Cause as soon as it started, uh, I can't say anything about it for you guys who haven't seen it, which it hurts me that you haven't seen it. But um, let's be honest, I'm not going to see it. Spoil away. <laughs> no, hey, hey, hold on. Hold on. No, I'm especially not, I spoil away now. Oh, I won't. No, but the, but the sound, the music is there and the sound effects are there. And then they're talking and they're talking about things that nobody just naturally understands because Christopher Nolan. And we can't understand or hear a single word that they're saying. So, yes, I agree with you. Yeah, uh, and, um, well, thank you, and I, I'm I'm excited to see it as well. I just, you know, I I had that problem with Interstellar. I actually saw it on 70 millimeter uh, with a great sound mix, supposedly, and uh, couldn't really hear anything. But um, to kind of echo what Jeff was saying, and then to circle it back to Jason's original question, I think um, I think the issue with questions of films in the modern era, I don't find any issue with them because I love them. But I really think what's hampering um, some of those questions from getting through from audiences liking those questions is we're really actually, you know, in a, a new era of content. So there's so much content out there, whether it's YouTube, TikTok, or uh, especially we're in sort of the golden age of television that everyone is watching this television show or that television show or watching five at the same time on Netflix. And everything is such, um, it's so much easier to consume, whether it's on your streaming apps that I think a lot of people are spending so much time watching uh, a myriad of different things that the age old, like, we're going to the movies on Friday night that I used to have, or I'm going to the video store on Friday night to rent whatever the newest release was. It's, it's a much larger uh, web to pull questions from that I think even the most uh, seasoned player might not know, you know, what this movie did at the box office because they were focused on, you know, the latest uh, Netflix release or whatever. Yeah, I kind of see that as a double-edged sword though a little bit because as you're talking about being in that golden age of like streaming, uh, we're seeing more and more content that is available streaming only and like proprietarily. So the question becomes, if a movie, for instance, is only available, like was never released in theaters, was written and produced specifically to be on, say, Amazon Prime, 
does yeah, that right. feel does that feel fair game generally speaking for content i i think so i ask questions i, I mean I don't think I know anybody today, or rather, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head that doesn't have some sort of cable or a streaming service or something. And it used to be uh, when I first started, I did think about that. I said, I, you know, I've asked a question about like an HBO or a Showtime show and then felt bad, like, oh, what if they don't have HBO or Showtime? Um and now, oh, you know, that's a that's a fair point. I've asked plenty of questions about like Orange is the New Black and Stranger Things in a yeah. TV context. So I, I think that that does become a bit of a handicap to a single player, mm -hmm. um, like who may not have anybody to talk to. So like uh, if you're just alone at the bar and you're playing pub trivia and they go into a whole bunch of questions about stuff from Amazon Prime, but you don't have Prime, you're kind of boned. There's not there's not a lot you could do about it. But if you have at least a teammate. Uh, say, oh, do you have it? That's a, another chance for somebody to have seen it or have that uh, exactly, you know, have that in that you may not have. And that's one of the things I love about doing team trivia. That's a great point. To, you have yeah. those teammates that you, you're you're probably going to have at least one person who's, you know, up on everything or has yeah. all the different subscriptions and they can provide those clues. Um, I remember actually being at a game that Jason did um, and I can't remember exactly what the question was, but it was something, maybe Stranger Things or something like that. And I remember one of the teams like yelled, uh, I mean, as they normally do, just kind of like, uh, <laughs> hey, I, I don't own a Netflix account. Like, well, how can you ask this question? And I, I don't remember exactly what Jason said, but I thought it was right on, which is, you know, at the, let's just say it was Stranger Things. Stranger mm. Things was such a huge point of the zeitgeist that everyone knew what it was. And to kind of not at least get near that, especially on a team of like maybe four or five people, um, I thought it was completely fair game because it had taken over everything. It was in the news, it was on magazines and toys. And um, I just didn't think it was, you know, that bad of a question. So I think you're right, though. I think um, I think it's fine. I think uh, especially on those you know major platforms, I think if you're like pulling a an original content show from like Crackle um, or something, maybe that's <laughs> Or Quibi, yeah. before yeah, or Quibi, they went yeah, under. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, we're now getting those mad crackle endorsement dollars. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate what you're saying on that, though, for sure, Neil. As I'm, as I'm thinking through, like, any of us as writers, would we shy away from Game of Thrones questions, for instance, even though it's on a paid platform? Well, and I, I would argue that you wouldn't. Yeah, I, the... My take on it is that you you I think you have to balance it a little bit with uh, how popular the show is like uh, to go back to Paul's excellent uh, word usage earlier. If it's in, if it's part of the zeitgeist, you, you at least have to mention it or talk about it. I mean, there there are a few things to consider. Like I said, uh, what if somebody doesn't have that service that offers that? What if you're getting into spoilery topics uh, from very recent, you know, like maybe don't avoid the most recent season or maybe avoid the most recent season. I mean, so you don't ruin it for anybody who hasn't had a chance to watch it yet because they don't have that. I mean, there's a lot of things to consider about it, but I think that the, I think it's definitely fair game. That that brings up something really valid. If you want to talk about, uh, you know, in a current events context, a movie, you know, a Shyamalan ding dong style movie <laughs> that has a major plot twist. How do you approach that and what it like ethically as a writer, how do you feel about writing a question about a plot twist that isn't so universally understood that somebody may came, come up to you after the fact and go, thanks, Dick. <laughs> like, is there is 
is there a ticking clock on spoilers? I guess is is the question that I'm I'm putting up to the uh, the panel here. I I have I don't have a hard and fast rule about it. I I try not to reveal major plot points or anything that is not something if it's brand new, something that's in a trailer. I think is kind of fair game. Um, I I don't I'm scared to think of topics that might technically be counted as spoilers currently, but like, I'm not going to worry about, uh, especially if I'm doing like a theme game, spoilers are out the window. You know, I'll say that right at the beginning. Like, um, well, actually here's a good example. When I did my Marvel cinematic universe trivia, uh, a couple of, well, God, it was last year. Ugh. Um, (laughs) it doesn't feel like last year, but, uh, it was, uh, I had written questions up to, uh, Captain Marvel. So Captain Marvel and Endgame were not included. None of that content, which had both come out at that point, were not included in the game at all. And I said that specifically because it was really close to the release of Endgame. Mm. So I said, look, nobody has to worry about anything. Might be. I, I even told a couple teams they couldn't use the team names that they wanted because they technically were spoilers. Um, and so I'll make... I'll I'll make special exceptions for stuff like that, but generally I'll try to if it's more than ten years old and it's a zeitgeist esque spoiler like um, oh he was dead the whole time you know what a twist one of the ones that have become like memes in their own right you know like uh, you know Darth Vader's Luke's father oh my gosh uh, yeah exactly like everybody that's not a spoiler anymore but I would even now don't want to mention stuff from the new trilogy just because there might be people that haven't seen that yet. You know, it, it, no matter my opinions on it, I don't want to spoil their first take on a movie by just because I'm being thoughtless about writing a question. Right. And that really just kind of applies more to like plot centric questions than it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless there's like some weird surprise actor appearance, you know, like, and that I guess affects TV more if a character is like written off and then comes back. That's the kind of information that you would have spoiled potentially um, or in reverse with like a Walking Dead with movies being a self-contained kind of two hour animal, even if they're part of a larger series. You don't have to worry about that so much. Everybody knows who the cast is going in. Uh, you know, they market it based you know, largely on that. And that information is so readily available on IMDb and on Wikipedia, which leads me apparently to our next topic sources for uh content in in the film space how do you where do you go to look up stuff for for movie trivia oh good question uh well actually i i think um there's a lot of sources i think uh you know you can obviously go to imdb or or uh sites like that just to sort of uh, pull straight information um from there but um i kind of feel like it's everywhere you know i mean you see a billboard the billboards for you know the queen's gambit okay that stars uh anya taylor joy well i don't want to write about the queen's gambit it's too new it's too niche then uh, what other movies has she been in well she was in split with m night Shyamalan, and m night Shyamalan directed the sixth sense which had bruce willis and actually i don't have an action question today so let's talk about die hard you know that kind of thing so I think it's, uh, it's like a a weird snowball effect that you know you can pull it from anywhere and uh and i think um you know to your uh to your question too kind of overreaching or whatever um even if something is more current, I think you always have an inroad when it comes to the actors or the director, because normally times like you just said, they're going to market it towards those people. So whether or not you've seen Avengers Endgame, you understand, oh, well, I know Robert Downey Jr. plays Iron Man, so I can use that as an in, or I know 
um, that, you know, uh, Chris Hemsworth plays Thor and I, and I can use that as a clue or something. So I think using the actors and, uh, the filmmakers, uh, is definitely helpful. And I also think you can get around spoilers because to just point, I think, you know, with spoiler etiquette, obviously if, if Avengers Endgame is in theaters, you're not going to want to ask a question that's going to spoil it. Is it three months after it's already come down on home video? Totally. I think it's totally fine. And my view is as long as you're not ruining it for everyone in the moment, uh, that's fine. Like personally, I wouldn't spoil anything for anyone just because I, I like that experience. Like I had uncut gems spoiled for me on Twitter accidentally. Um, oh. it, was my, it was my favorite movie, I think, of that of last year. And um, the day before I went to see it, someone on Twitter just just said it like basically what happens at the end uh, with no um, precursor. And I read it just accidentally. And I was like, Oh, great. Now that just, now it's all I was thinking about the entire movie when I was watching it. But oh, um, man. Yeah, yeah. So stinks, I think in man. that respect, it's, it's, it's rough, but I think, you know, just finding the right time and the right way to do the question, um, makes sense. I, w- I was just gonna say it, it, in terms of sources, one of the ones that I like to use a lot, especially when I'm dealing with flat numbers, or if I'm looking for something that was the number one movie, a certain week or something like that. I always go, I use box office mojo and I don't know if anybody else is familiar with that site. I, I would love to. And then they put all the good stuff behind a paywall and I, ain't yeah, paying. yeah, that's, that's new and fun. Uh, was yeah, it, I think it was IMDb, IMDb pro yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it used to be a really good site for all sorts of information. So now it just gives you kind of general stuff and you have to do the, the legwork on your own. Oh, you could do so much sorting and filtering. You could find films by genre, really easily uh I've, I've written a handful of questions about sports movies that were genuinely surprising because the hook of that was that box office mojo considered i'm trying to remember what uh what specific film it was that they called the highest grossing sports film of all time mm-hmm. uh, and i think it was like it was like forrest gump or something they considered to be a football movie or a sports oh, movie because it contained here. both football and table tennis yeah, get out of here. That's crazy. You know, just speaking of of pulling questions like Box Office Mojo, I think is great. But what I love about uh, what Paul and Sam do on their show is is they can randomize everything, which I think might maybe might be the cleanest way to do it, because then you're not like, you know, because me, I'll, I'll spend an hour researching something, double researching it, making sure it's correct and like redoing all this other stuff. But what's nice about their show is it, it just has that informal quality of you and your friend in the car. And it really is kind of all based on your own uh your own knowledge which i think is a lot of fun i'm not sure if that makes it a little bit easier for you paul or if it is still harder to do like the special features and whatnot no uh it uh, that's all i was gonna say about um you know pulling questions from places i mean i've literally used imdb or wikipedia every time i've needed to pull a question because everything else is in a box like it's Mm -hmm. there already written and in front of me um and i like that you said you know, it feels like you're just hanging out with your buddy playing the game because that's really, that's all we're doing. That's what we were doing in the first place. And, you know, I don't know how well that even fits into the, you know, the pub trivia world aside from the extra rounds that we put at the end, but that's really all that we're doing. Like we're, we're hanging out using information that's already there, like all around us everywhere. So we're not having to really focus in too much or, or split things apart and, and create a science of it. We're just 
sitting there hanging out talking about what we like. <laughs> right, right. So I, I want to ask you, because I've, I've appeared, spoiler alert, um, ironically enough, on Hollywood <laughs> Cast Connection, and I know what the, the meat and potatoes of your, your series is for obvious reasons, but I also know, as you alluded to, that you do a special like finale every episode. I know off the top of my head of one or two formats that you've done with that obviously uh you know the the research i did going into the podcast and of course the one that we did which i was hot garbage at um, <laughs> but what what other kinds of uh specialty formats have you done specifically with hollywood cast connections final round because i want to transition us a little bit into the the way in which a film-based trivia question can be written and if there are advantages or disadvantages relative to other question formats or yeah, I think that's the word I'm going to use formats. So, uh, Paul, what have you done? You know, just give us two or three quick examples of uh, like final round style HCC content. Yeah, so we've done we've done tri bonds, you know, like if if I were to say Guy Pierce and Drew Barrymore and Ellen DeGeneres, you know, sit there and think about it forever and then beat yourself up when you realize, oh, they've all played characters that had short term memory loss. Um, and that was a I mean, that's just oh, kind of shit. a classic right over my I was trying to think of a movie that all three of them were in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the like... Generous uh, obviously makes sense. I don't know that I remember the other two being things, but again, I'm yeah, bad Guy, at movie trivia. Guy Pierce was Memento and oh, right, right. 50 First Dates. Oh, yeah. 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 And Guy Pierce, you could hear in Memento because he wasn't a stickler about sound. No one in that <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, you were just yeah, going to beat that horse, aren't you, Neil? I am. Well, I, I'm basically the... Um, the uh whatever that thing is an in inception that uh leonardo dicaprio the spins i don't know what those are called the, tops the, the top yeah i'm always <laughs> spinning and i'm always going to talk about nolan sound that's <laughs> you heard it here first uh triviality stands neil is a top <laughs> <laughs> so oh i'm opening us up to problems and possible lawsuits <laughs> yeah i was trying to get out of that one as quick as possible <laughs> so i also do tribons i almost always do the 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 tri what I would consider the traditional ones, like I name three movies and you have to find the one actor that was been in all three uh, style movies as well. Um, I, I like those. Movies. Yeah, the, the, those are a ton of fun, especially um, trying to find big name people, because I always use the rule like it has to be somebody that at least is a recognizable name. Like it's not going to be background actor two. you know, the the kid with the curly hair and red cheeks that's in every party scene in college. I'm not talking about him, you know. Um, so those are always fun to kind of write and and see, you know, I did one uh, a couple weeks ago with John Lithgow where I picked three movies where he was a, a villainous character or a or a, a anti or an antagonist. I was going to say anti here, but that's not right. Um, <laughs> trying to trying to build them a little bit so that they're a little thematic. Those are always kind of fun. Um, what other what other kind of ones do you do to, to end your show, Paul? Yeah, we've done before and after categories where, you know, if the title of a movie will end with the same word as the oh. as another movie starts. Mm -hmm. I love those. <laughs> as those starts are so much movie. fun. Jeff, Jeff, tell them about the project we did last year. Oh, we <laughs> And by I we remember... I mean our friend James the trivia nerd, like yeah, almost exclusively. Yeah, it was <laughs> just it was just one guy, but but he had put together a tremendously huge list of uh, before and after movie titles and kind of collated it in a way uh, that was just mind boggling. Uh, you know, here's a Will Ferrell movie joke. It was mind bottling. Like my mind was stuck <laughs> in a bottle. I couldn't think my way out of. 
Yeah, um, if I remember correctly, he downloaded like ten thousand film titles. Yeah, he downloaded IMDb. IMDb and then ran them <laughs> through like a program that came up with combinations that worked. And then we went through collectively and started like because forty out of 50 of them were awful because they were real indie movies or they would connect on letters instead of words. So it would be like uh, back to the future part two, fast Too furious or something like that. And you can't, you can't do it before and after like that. It feels dirty and cheaty. Uh, so we would go through and as we would use them, we would write in the clues that we had so that collectively in the co-op, we had, you know, a, a database kind of building of sorts for that style of question. That's crazy. So, man, that sounds like so much work, but it also is very fascinating because I'd love to to read all of those because I, I do love those types of questions. Um, the ones that Jeff was saying as well, which you don't normally see, at least I don't, um, where it's three movies and you find the single actor, which I, I do like those because um, I love learning or just knowing all the actors that are in a movie, whether they're, you know, the George Clooney's or is it the, the William Rebhorns, the character actors? I like learning, you know, from top to bottom. And I think uh, even though I'm a spinning top. So I think um, <laughs> what's nice about that, too, is uh, it's just a lot of great ways to pull answers, which the reason I love Hollywood Cast Connection is, is I think that six degrees game, if you want to call it that, uh, to Kevin Bacon or just you know, using actors to find other actors and other movies. That's sort of how my brain works. And I think those questions really are, are, you know, kind of in the wheelhouse of how my brain works, which is why I definitely like those a lot. I think I, I went through my my uh, backlog here a little bit as, as Paul is bringing up his neat idea for a tribon that doesn't necessarily connect actors. And I found one that I I wrote a couple of years ago, like six years ago, and I don't hate this question. So I'm going to run it by you guys real quick. Uh, just tell me the specific thing that the films Robocop, The Crow and Dreamgirls all have in common. RoboCop, The Crow, and Dreamgirls? Mm-hmm. Ooh. This, you said it's not an actor, it's a thing, like an idea? Yeah, it's, it's not an actor. I think, I think I have an idea. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. I mean, you can. This is all just banter at this stage. I mean, I, I, yeah. I believe they all take place in Detroit. Oh, yep, that is, that is the common bond. All three of them are, are known Come for being on. set in Detroit. <laughs> or, as the French would pronounce it, wrong. <laughs> 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 I was like, wait, which one of the dream girls was murdered and came back in a vengeful manner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that describes Jennifer Hudson the way you think it describes Jennifer Hudson. <laughs> wait, she was an actress in dream girls. I, I, I knew an actress. Guys, be proud of me. Hey, Yay. especially you, Paul, because you know that I'm absolute trash at this. <laughs> I am very proud. <laughs> All right. So you've got, you know, questions about plot. You've got questions about actors and directors, which I don't want to talk about. Right. Um, you know, other commonalities. What what other what other stuff in a film lends itself to question writing? We, we've done questions based on awards that movies have won, you know, like we talked about earlier. And, uh, you know, things through the decades where you name essentially a year and some stuff about some movies and just see what you can pull out of your brain. But it's, it just goes back to all that, all that information that's out there because people did things that we get to learn about and talk about awards. And, and um, I'm trying to remember the other through the decades. Oh, highest grossing, you know, in the box office and things like that. Um, Yeah. That's, that's always a, a, a topic of question for me that I feel kind of wiggly about doing because this is information. This is public access information 
But at the same time, unless there's something specifically notable about it, it's just a, a, an encyclopedia style fact that you can't necessarily assume people would be able to pin down. So you have to you have to approach uh, box office style numbers in kind of a specific way would be my argument. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because I think it's it's so tough because a lot of times, you know, if you really get into the weeds about it, I mean, is it uh, is it box office gross domestically worldwide? Is it, you know, adjusted for inflation? And I think there's a lot of, of those um, caveats that can really screw people up because, you know, two people could be completely right, um, depending if it is, uh, you know, uh, worldwide or domestic or, you know, is it gone with the wind or are you saying it's Avengers Endgame? So it's it's um yeah, it's kind of a slippery slope. Um uh, when it comes to that. And I also think um, some questions that are hard in the film world um, are I, in the Oscar world, I should say, are um, the fact that the ceremonies are the year after the the movies actually were released, which I think can yes. be normal people. Oh, my yes, God. The, the ambiguity in the words that you use to write these questions and people like uh, and I love you when I say this, Neil, but people like Neil, who will catch you out every time there's an um actually moment on one of those and say, <laughs> wait, so you said 1997 Oscars. Does, do you mean the calendar year 1997 or the Oscars who came out in 1997? What? And my, I'll go back to the wording and say and, and show them that my wording said when this film won the Oscar in 1997. Yeah, as yeah, opposed right. to for 1997, uh, there's there are a couple of those examples uh, that I can think of just roughly speaking off the top of my head. I got in trouble a little while ago on my stream and I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. I referred to the writer of a film as the creator of the film when people assumed when I used the term, you know, created or, you know, was the um source behind or whatever that terminology was they assumed i was looking for the director hmm. and i would argue that that's on them for making the assumption but at yeah. the same time the behind the scenes figure you think of number one when it comes to a film is usually the director maybe the writer uh in some cases the executive producer and i know that i have miswritten questions because i've conflated the two uh for instance i think john hughes is a good example of somebody who has produced some movies that he didn't direct and directed some movies he didn't produce. So when you get into topics about, you know, when you say something like what Robert Hughes film, you're going to get the ask. Wait, when you say Robert Hughes, do you mean he directed it? He wrote it, he produced it. So in some cases, you have to make sure that you can stand behind every word you use. And in other cases, you're being intentionally dickish by being vague like I do because I'm a bad boy. Yeah, yeah, no, that's funny. And I, I know that there I don't believe there is a director named Robert Hughes, but I'll, I'll give you brownie points for that one. Just. Did okay. I say Robert instead of John like twice? Yeah, I just had to, I, I had to call you out on because you called me out saying I was the um actually guy. But and it was uh, it was the eighties. This was the wheelhouse for me. Damn it! Um, I think um, you know, uh, kind of along those lines too. Um, the only one that I ever really catch personally because I don't really care. I mean, you know, unless it's like a a glaring um, you know miss uh, miswriting of a question, then I, I won't care. But the only one that really seems to come up a lot for some reason is when people ask questions about James Bond, because there are films that are considered canon in the James Bond world. And sometimes people will say, well, how many total films are there? How many were Sean right. Connery when in reality, yeah. you know, he wasn't in uh, Diamonds are, are for, or excuse me, Never Say Never Again, wasn't yeah. technically a real Bond movie. So it's, it's kind of a, that's the only one that I ever really catch. I mean, that, that definition is just arbitrary, though. James Bond was the main character. It's a Bond movie. Whether or not it was produced by, was it Eon Films? 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's still a Bond movie. Quote unquote canon. Uh, it might be your least favorite and you might have opinions about it, but it's got James Bond. By definition, it's a Bond movie. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you can, yeah, I can argue that you are correct on that, but I think if you're talking about, um, the movies themselves, because because Never Say Never Again is just a remake of Thunderball, which was a Bond movie already. So it's it's tough because if you're asking about plot points and stuff, I think that's where right. comes in. It can get dicey. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't think, I, yeah, I think the important thing in that sense is that you, as the writer and the presenter, you know what the pitfall is, and you're either intentionally steering away from it so that people don't get confused and you feel like you're presenting a question in good faith, or you're leaning into it because you've written it intentionally ambiguously because the gotcha moment behind that question, the, the aha click is, Oh, he never said that it had to be directed by so-and-so um, mm -hmm. back to the future. I think is the example I want to pull on that. That was directed by Zemeckis, but yeah. Yeah. largely associated with Spielberg. Is that right? Yeah. Yep, he's because the he was the EP. Yeah. So I would absolutely get away with calling it a Spielberg film. If the rest of the question got you to knowing gettably that it was back to the future and then the aha moment is oh yeah he didn't say it was directed by spielberg and you can definitely argue that because he was the producer for it that it is a spielberg film just not necessarily in the way that people defaultedly assume it would be yeah and i mean you know he, his name on a lot of the movies he produced uh in the 80s uh were you know steven spielberg presents so um that's an interesting inroad i think you could take on something like that and i think you know when it comes to film questions too um, I think, you know, uh, different crew positions are also fair game, depending if they're well known or not. And I think this is something Paul can can speak to as well, because, um, you know, these are people, you know, from people to people. But, you know, when you have a, a director of photography, a lot of people don't really know what that is or a cinematographer. They don't understand what that is. But if you, you know, say names um, uh, like uh, Emmanuel Lubeski or something, you know, he's won multiple times or you have DPs. Um, you know, Robert Richardson, who've won a lot, I think for diehard fans or at least close to diehard fans, you can use them to um, to get questions, to get, you know, get answers or get them into a question. I think it's fair game because um, there's someone like V. Neal, like a famous makeup artist who yeah. you know, won the Oscar for Beetlejuice, but also was on Face Off, the reality show. I think to a normal person, oh, I don't really know who V. Neal is, but if you can kind of bring them in with those other clues, I think it's totally fair. Yeah. Or someone like Edith Head or even even like um, special effects departments, like the the ones that have like a specific uh, like TH, well, THX, I guess, isn't really its own thing anymore. But you know what I mean? Like industrial light mm -hmm. and magic or or something like like a larger department that gets hired out that takes part in another movie. Those are all kind of trivia nuggets that are maybe a little bit deeper cuts than than people are used to. But definitely good trivia fodder yeah my personal take on that and again this is coming from me being really bad at this type of style of trivia is i wouldn't know the name of the dp i wouldn't know the name of the sound designer i barely know composers i struggle hard with directors but as long as that's not the fundamental ask of the question i think i'd be okay in general like if you want to talk about uh for instance an american werewolf in paris being the first film to ever win an Oscar or Academy Award for uh, best makeup effects. You could mention the name of the makeup artist and you ought to because that's the person who won the award. But I think because it's a notable first, you can ask that in the context of it being the first and giving the year potentially or some kind of other in, you know, this this non-US set film. Uh, 
I argue that if you're asking for that kind of specificity, there's got to be some kind of adjacent in. And yeah, again, that's that's my opinion. That's my mileage. That's how I would do it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I definitely don't ask a ton of questions about technical crew or or things like that, unless it's like I said, Edith had like a, a very famous costume designer that won a bajillion Oscars. I would maybe bring her up in an Oscars game or an Oscars round. But that's not a that's not a question I would drop on an unsuspecting regular pub trivia audience that wasn't already signed up to to do a bunch of Oscars trivia or something. You know, let me ask you guys real quick, just as I'm you know, kind of ranting through my head. How do you feel about uh, movie tagline questions? Uh, I'm hit or miss. Some of some of them are indisputably linked to phrasing that they've used on their posters. They become part of the the history of that, you know, the, that like movie. Like in space, no one can hear you scream. That's exactly or, the yeah. one that I was going to point out. Yeah, exactly. Because it's the only one I remember. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> ones like that, I think, are okay. I think maybe did like a matching uh, of taglines to movies, maybe threw in a, a couple landmines of movies that taglines uh, aren't represented or something like that. Like just some kind of make it fun, like a little game. Uh, the mm-hmm. the single, what movie use this tagline, unless it's like a fairly well-known tagline, I wouldn't use it. And if it's super fairly well-known, I might use it in an early round as kind of like a softball question. And also just a question where that's all the question is in in and of itself is just kind of a boring question. Now, yeah. if you did something like Neil and Triviality does, where you do a swing round, uh, where yeah, you, you exactly. know, it's purely a mechanics based or a tightly themed topic, you could string mm-hmm. 10 of those together and be like, given X, name Y, given the tagline, name the film. Yeah. And you're okay there because you're you're building a suite of them. But just to stick that in like a general knowledge or even just like a film centric game, unless you can find some other interestingness to it, eh, take it or leave it, you know? It's tough, too, because a lot of films have multiple taglines, too, which is the one thing you have to oh, watch yeah. out for. Yeah, some movies have used, you know, I won't say famously, because if it were famous, they wouldn't have four to six of them, but like four to six <laughs> of them in their in their marketing phase. So I guess from here, it sounds like we're, we're pretty much good to, to wrap up discussion. Um, Neil, I know you wanted to throw something around the table real quick before we uh, transition out. What do you got for me? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about um, just playing a lot of different trivia, whether it's not movie based uh, and there happens to be a movie round or if it's completely uh, movie based trivia and just uh, sort of um, is there is there a question or questions, maybe even a topic, if you want to simplify it, that um, that you seem to always hear um, anytime there's movie trivia, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, just a question or topic that always seems to come up. Or maybe one that you like the best that maybe doesn't come up, you know, one, either one of those. I'm sitting here racking my brain for one. I can tell you uh, the most notable film question I ever got asked because this thing and I might have talked about it on the show before, but it it stuck in my craw. It was such a just not worth my time style question. It ended up being a film question. I was uh, out to dinner with my family. This is at some chain restaurant years and years ago and the question came up and now i remember i have talked about it but i'm going to talk about it again because it's that kind of garbage uh in the film the wizard of oz what was the tin man looking for the wizard to grant him that was the question that's (laughs) oh wow what might be the most viewed film of all time (laughs) a beloved film for generations a fact that is 
as on the face of it as could possibly be. And this host, who I assume didn't write the question, they were part of a brand, had to sit there with a straight face and collect answer slips from 20 tables full of adults and go, hey, it turns out you were right. It was a it was a heart like we didn't all know four seconds into the ask. <laughs> That's crazy. I, I think my my favorite little trivia nugget, I mean, it's it's fairly well known, um, but definitely the the only two sequels that have won the best the best picture Oscar are Godfather Part Two and Lord of the Rings Return of the King. I always thought that was interesting that in the the time that we're in now, especially that we're still going for like newer properties and stuff like that to to win the to win the films as opposed to sequels. Yeah, actually kind of um, jumping on that point that you just made, actually, is perfect, perfect segue to mine. Um, I think the one I hear the most probably is is the big five, which is, you know, what three movies won the big five Oscars, which is one for the coos nest. It happened one night. Uh, and Silence of the Lambs. But I think my favorite trivia nugget, which goes to your point, is um, the actor John Cazal, who's sort of a character actor. He only appeared in five feature films in his life, and all five of them were nominated for Best Picture. It was The Godfather, Godfather Part Two, The Conversation, Dog Day Afternoon, and The Deer Hunter. Holy cow, that's crazy. Oh, That actually reminds me that James Dean was only in like three feature films. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, East of Eden, uh, Rebel Without a Cause, and uh, Giant. Yeah. So that's that's come up more than one occasion. Uh, how about you, Paul? Any any chestnuts? Anything uh, you've heard that stuck with you? Yeah, the ones that really stick with me are the ones that I don't know because when I'm having to answer the question and broadcast my wrong answer to everyone, and I'm so new to it, it hits me really hard. So I remember lots <laughs> of uh, Godfather questions and kind of Martin Scorsese type film questions that I'm you know, just now getting into, and I love them by the way, now that I'm getting into them, but those are the ones that would hit me the hardest because it was just stuff I wasn't familiar with. It seemed like everyone should know this stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, I hate that when I'm, because I'm, again, cannot stress this enough, bad at movie trivia, and I'm playing an <laughs> online game like Jeff's game, and I look at the, the get rate on a question I got wrong, and I was the only person who didn't get it wrong, or right? I feel so friggin' stupid. Yep. And those those are the ones that stick with you, guaranteed. So, uh, yeah, listeners, if you have some some favorite film chestnuts, f- feel free to uh, email them to us at quadriviapod at gmail.com. Lord knows we could use the inbox. <laughs> uh, should we move into the keyword challenge? Speaking of listeners. Yes, do it. Yep. I think so. All right. So, Paul and Neil, you are uh, familiar at this point with how the keyword challenge works from the listener's perspective, I would assume. Let me know if that is the case. Um, somewhat, but if you have a spiel explanation, I wouldn't mind hearing it. <laughs> oh, you know what? As good as my spiel is, Jeff's is better. Yeah. I, well, I shouldn't say I was, <laughs> I wasn't going to say, yeah, in agreement that mine is better. I was going to say, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> um, uh, basically what we do, we have our listeners send in keywords that they want us to write about. We randomly choose one, uh, and then we take 10 minutes off mic to write a question that includes the keyword somewhere, either in the question wording or the answer itself. I want to take a moment and thank, uh, I know him online as Free Ruckus. He knows himself as Clinton Reese out in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, he is a member of the trivia juggernauts in Twitch that are known as No Better Social Distancing Than the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, I love them unless I'm playing against them. 
<laughs> but uh, Clinton has presented the keyword, uh, and if you guys are ready, I will drop it for you. And I hope you're willing to go across the pond because this one is the Beatles. The Beatles? The Beatles. B-E-A-T-L-E-S. Just so you can't backdoor a question Ooh. about bugs. Oh, man. I was going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he spelled it right. So we got to work with that. All right. So if you guys are ready, I know I am. Uh, we'll take our 10 minutes. We will think thoroughly and try to present some good questions when we come back on the other side of this break. Hey, everyone. Jason here. While the host and I step away to think about our keyword challenge, we just wanted to remind you you can check us out online at Quadrivia Pod on Twitter. On Facebook, just search for Quadrivia Podcast. And you can always email us at quadriviapod at gmail.com. We're always happy to hear from you. And now, back to the show. And welcome back. We have spent the last 10 minutes, definitely not more than that, writing our keyword challenge questions. And Paul, I think we're going to go with you first. You want to hit us with your question? All right. My question is, <clears throat> going to get my presenting voice. <laughs> <laughs> no, we already have a, a Jeff for the throat clearing. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> All right. Everybody knows George, John, Paul, and Ringo as the four most prominent members of the, of the legendary psychedelic rock band, The Beatles. But it's a much lesser known fact that Ringo was a ringer who was brought in to replace the original drummer who was released from the group in 1962 for being, as his name might suggest, better looking than any of the group's other members. What was his name? Wait, is that the actual reason they got rid of him? That was what I found in the 10 minutes that I was looking no at. No kidding. <laughs> Why they got rid of him. Like, I, I, I absolutely know what this is. I'm just surprised by that fact. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I am also too as a drummer, because uh, I, I feel like if I was in the position of this drummer, um, it, it'd probably be a, a pretty sore spot for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Forever. Yeah. So it's it sounds like Neil and I have it. Jeff, I can assume I think at this point that you know it as well. That I too. Yeah. That I that I that too, I too. That I, I do <laughs> as well. Yeah. It, that is of course uh Pete Best, one of one of the few people that is is often recognized as the fifth Beatle. Yeah, it's him, it's George Martin and Brian oh, who's the other guy? Brian Epstein. I've I've heard yeah. that sobriquet applied to all three of them i think and it throws people yeah. off i've had people complain at my live shows because i i mentioned you know somebody being named the fifth beetle and they lock into only that fact yeah. and then they're just wrong and they should yeah. feel bad well i, I mean <laughs> i i think if you take the context of it like of course we're talking about the drummer so that's going to be pete best mm -hmm. um you know, or if you're talking about production, you know, it, it pushes you in different directions. So there's ways to, you know, if people want to have a problem with it, it's like, hey, learn more about all three of the fifth members of the Beatles, <laughs> the Beatles, you know. But, yeah. you know, I digress. Wasn't there another bassist as well originally? Stuart Sutcliffe? Stu Sutcliffe? Yeah, there was. Yeah. That's ringing a bell, too. I'm, I'm yeah. sitting here in my archive right now trying to find a version of this question that I had written yeah. Uh, earlier I, this year and because i'm a dick it was a douchey trick question it basically <laughs> asked you um what music act would you potentially have been surprised to hear if you ordered a record titled best of the beatles in 1965 <laughs> god because <laughs> i love that story he released an album of his own work he titled it and he could legally best 
of yeah. the Beatles. Uh, yeah. And it saw a huge explosion in sales because people thought it was a greatest hits compilation. The um, the other naming, the other Beatles name that gets tossed around a lot is Billy Preston. He's the he's the only person that's not a member of the Beatles that was ever credited on a Beatles track at all. Is that uh, Billy Preston Esquire? <laughs> no, <laughs> but yes. Yeah, you might as well. Why not? That is Billy Preston Esquire. And he was excellent. <laughs> not the best, but we already established that. Uh, so let's uh, let's pros and cons this question. I I would say from my experience, the fact behind this is a little bit of a chestnut, not a criticism, but it's just uh, the difficulty rate is not as high as some uh, trivia events would necessarily go for Beatles logic. Uh, that said, I love the the wordplay with the fact that Ringo was a ringer. I uh, tip of the cap to you because that's a terrible pun that's right up my alley. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I love yeah. little puns like that, little jokes. I, th- I think my only real criticism at all uh, would be the use of psychedelic rock band. But that's just me being pedantic because, I mean, they definitely <laughs> were at times, but I, yeah. I I wouldn't necessarily say that that's what they were. You know, but yeah, I don't I, think I you need to describe the Beatles well. too much. Of, yeah. of the 37 things they were, Psychedelic yeah. Rock Band was definitely <laughs> one of them. <laughs> That's up there. But overall, I really like that question. It, it, it was, uh, as as Jason said, it's definitely very chestnutty. So a lot of frequent trivia goers are at least going to have that name bumping around in their punch bowl for sure. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me to ask, Paul, um, coming from Hollywood Cast Connection the way you are, that is a, a trivia podcast that isn't structured the way a typical trivia podcast is. Uh, do you have a lot of experience writing trivia questions at all? Or was this kind of a, I, I don't want to say a first time thing, but close to a first time thing for you to have to, to write a verbose pub quiz style trivia question? Um, it may be the first one I've ever written. Well, um, then print it out and frame it, baby, because it's yeah. work. That's a good one. And so it's proud of you. <laughs> Taking all of my self-control to not sing feels like the first time. <laughs> See, well, if that's uh, a foreign reference for you, Paul, I'll explain it after the podcast. <laughs> that makes me think of uh, in Superbad when uh, um, Jonah Hill is talking to Michael Sarah um, about the guys that the, the girl that he likes has dated. And he like mentions one. I forget his name, but he's like, um, have you ever looked into his eyes? It's like the first time I listened to the Beatles. <laughs> Ooh, good pull there. Uh, Should I go into my question and hope that it's halfway decent? Yeah, sure. Hit us. All right. Here's what I'm bringing to the table. Nobody has had more number one singles on the Billboard Hot 100 than the Beatles with their 20 all time. But what cherished artist whose name is found in a Beatles song title leads all artists with an astounding 50 number ones on any single Billboard chart? Ooh, nicely worded question there. Yeah. Thank you. I love this question so much. I love this it. This feels like a me question all over and not even like a podcast me question. Like I would have written this for my standard pub quiz style question. This feels me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I know the answer, so I, I will abstain. Yeah. As, as do I, Paul, do you have uh, do you have thunder on this? Do you have a thought? No, I definitely don't. Don't okay. know it. <laughs> hey, I'll take it's not a hundred percent get rate on this. Uh, anything jump out to you? Any guesses you might have? And we'll go from there, Paul. Um, Eleanor Rigby. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a song that has a name in it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Cherished folk hero uh, musician Eleanor Rigby. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like I like the double clue. I like the hidden clue with Cherish as well. But mm-hmm. 
uh, of course, the the question is referencing the song Lady Madonna and the artist Madonna. Yeah, that is true. I, I found that fact as I was just Googling like Beatles superlatives. Mm-hmm. I was looking through uh, some of their song titles and I, I don't know, I kind of approached this from multiple directions and it hit somewhere in the middle where I was looking up, uh, you know, Billboard superlatives plus people mentioned in Beatles song titles. And I Googled Madonna Billboard superlative. And apparently in February, she uh, had her 50th single to hit number one on the hot club dance or hot dance club charts. Uh, second huh. place, as far as I can tell, I think it's George Strait with 44 on the country chart. That is tremendous. That is so many. Yeah, she is still going. She uh, has released a pair of singles in 2020, which means her career, as far as Billboard is concerned, is almost 40 years long. Good Lord. Wow. And she doesn't look a day over whatever age she is. Don't sue me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's really the the queen of uh, reinventing herself, I think. I mean, I feel like so many artists after her have... uh, followed that uh that protocol i mean lady gaga and beyonce i mean everyone sort of uh reinvented Mm -hmm. so yeah pretty influential yeah she's a little bowie-esque in that regard i'd say yeah 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 nice uh stepping stone between like a david bowie and as you mentioned like a lady gaga i find her to be a lot more transformative than you know say necessarily a Katy perry no disrespect uh maybe a taylor swift i think is if not Lady Gaga, the most transformative artist of the last decade, musically speaking. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I have small personal opinion on this one. I think Radiohead's turn from OK Computer to Kid A is maybe the biggest 180, but they didn't do it so many times. Like that mm-hmm. one just came so far out of left field. Well, not really, but that's me being silly about Radiohead, who I like a lot. But yeah, also nobody knows them for anything but creep anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I I beg I beg to differ, but, <laughs> but that's me being a radio fan. All right, All right what do you have for us, Jeff? All right, so for mine, because it's a movies episode, I desperately wanted to write a movie, but I thought a movie uh, about the Beatles or one that was starring the Beatles would be too simple. So instead, I wrote this other one that I also feel is too simple. But we'll <laughs> see. Here it is: the Jolly Green Giants, the Shitty Beatles. And Crucial Taunt are all bands that performed at the Gasworks Rock Club in Aurora, Illinois, in what 1992 movie? The bouncer, Tiny, portrayed by Meatloaf in an early acting role, informs us that it's not just a clever name. The shitty Beatles suck. (laughs) Uh, I I really like this. I know that you're not a fan of this. Um, I got it from two words in here and then confirmed it for sure in two other words. Uh, yeah, Neil, I have a, I have a Hank, I have a theory that you're going to know this pretty well. I'm not sure what, uh, Paul's mileage is going to be on this because again, we babe. Yeah, we yeah babe. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure on this one. So I, I want to hear, uh, Paul talk this one out. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was negative seven in the year that you said <laughs> <laughs> my head is in my hand right now. Yep. <laughs> it's like right in that sweet spot of like, not long enough before I was born for me to have heard so much about it, but definitely not close enough to my birth for me to know. So again, it's going to go way over my head. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Any guess just out of curiosity and also to put you on the spot? Um. Well, I know Meatloaf was in Fight Club and this is about concerts, right? So I'll call it Mosh Club. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's getting I, it. Um, he I didn't get it, but he's getting that. it. <laughs> That's the little-known sequel that nobody talked about because they followed rule number one. Yes, <laughs> and two. <laughs> All right, should I uh, should I spoil it for everyone? Yeah, well, let me. Uh, I have to dip my uh, Stan Makita donut here first. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> your, your, um, your jelly puck. Yeah. <laughs> As I try to explain to people uh, on Twitch now that I've made the move more nationally, um, pop culturally speaking, where I live in the state of Illinois is about halfway between uh, the Blues Brothers and Wayne's World. This one is Wayne's World. Yeah, that's your correct answer on this one. Wayne and Garth go to attend the Gasworks and Tiny the Bouncer played uh, by Meatloaf lets them know that the Jolly Green Giants and Shitty Beatles are playing in Crucial Taunts on stage. And that's when he first sees Cassandra starting the events of the movie. Well, I guess not starting the events of the movie, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I think I've written a question before that name dropped Crucial Taunt, which is why Crucial Taunt jumped out to me. And then when I got to Aurora, Illinois, it's it, it, that's what Aurora is known for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love the Crucial Taunt uh, fact there. If it's like a movie trivia game or, or something or just like fictional uh, movie bands. I, I will give you this, Jeff. You took this in a direction that neither of us did so far. It is definitely associated with Beatles, but you know, not the Beatles. Yeah, I was I was channeling my inner Aaron. <laughs> but you didn't take us quite down the garden path, but you you took a That's slight fair. left turn at Albuquerque. We'll say. Oh, I'm not I'm not as good as the at, at the garden path style questions. But uh, any other any other thoughts or critiques on that one? I'm gonna I'm gonna lay this out there. I I normally uh, don't. Don't really have critiques about any trivia question unless it's just the you know um, I just all these are well written I just uh, I just like being here I like playing so that's that's my <laughs> that's my uh, um, yeah. I'm glad that you're part of the show as well Neil in fact <laughs> now I want to hear a music question from Neil that he probably turned into a movie question uh, but he would have done it second because Jeff beat you to it go <laughs> all right um, well. Uh, yeah, I had to do a movie question just because uh, that's the way my brain works. Actually, <laughs> the reason I mentioned uh, the Jonah Hill quote from Superbad is because at the moment you said the Beatles, that was like the first thing that popped in my head. And I was going to ask that, but it's a very um, obscure quote. So, um, so yeah, here's my question. I'll give you all I've got to give if you say you love me too is a lyric from what Beatles song that shares a title with a 1987 Patrick Dempsey film about a nerd who pays a popular girl to pretend to be his girlfriend? Oh, I know this. I know this. It's uh, Love Don't Cost a Thing. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, what, what's the other? Uh, oh, She's All That, I think, is also a ripoff of this motif. There, there's so many. Easy A, yeah. uh, heavily, Easy a references, yep. heavily references it. Yep. Well, uh, I, ha I have this one both directions. But the, as soon as you started reading the lyrics of the songs, I was like, yay, I know this one. So, Paul, yeah, I, I feel this, the same way on that for what it's worth. This is a great Patrick Dempsey movie uh, featuring a young Seth Green and a, a very crazy uh, dance sequence that probably wouldn't fly today. Um, so curious if you know <laughs> this one. Yeah, my Patrick Dempsey knowledge is limited to like Enchanted and Brother Bear 2. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those those are the polls. OK, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. This is one that I will know once somebody else says it, but it's like, not I'm, popping into my head. Like, I'm going to give you Enchanted, but Brother Bear 2. Comes I didn't away. even know there was a Brother Bear 2. I brought I think... him in to this recording as a professional, and he drops Brother Bear 2. <laughs> I told you, man. I know the kids' movies. That might be like the most deep cut trivia and possible answer I've ever heard. 
not not even brother like you said not even brother bear one but brother bear two who brings <laughs> yeah no i have to give you the easy a for effort on that reference yeah i'll take it because that's all i'm gonna get <laughs> all right so i've i've joked around on this paul i don't think has any thunder neil do you want to take the uh reveal yep uh the answer uh song title and uh film title can't buy me love the jeff says i would i'm I'm desperately trying not to sing. This is the second time I've had to stop myself from from singing because I'm not great at it. But it doesn't doesn't stop me from wanting to sing. Can't buy me love as like at the top of my lungs. I said I said it really quiet as far away now, from the mic as I possibly could. Now, Jeff, being the, the, the music expert, relatively speaking, that you are, is this the Beatles song that starts with that famous, infamous, nobody can figure out exactly what notes make up the chord. No introduction. Or is that, uh, or is that she loves you? No, that's, um, hold on. Hard it's, day's night. It's a hard yes, day's night. I yes. just, I was going to say okay. it's the, it's the one from the movie. Oh, I should have done that with my question. I, I mean, I like my shitty Beatles question, but yeah, it's the, that chord for some reason, it's an open strum of all six strings on a guitar plus other things happening. And yeah, there's like can quite figure six out notes on a piano is. playing simultaneously. And I've seen some theories behind it that are kind of mind blowing me. It's what I've seen is that it's like a 13 note chord. Yeah. And then if I remember correctly, when they when they remixed a bunch of the Beatles songs together, they did like mashups and stuff for the Beatles love Cirque du Soleil show. Mm-hmm. I want to say that that's like the first noise that's on the album, too. And they like stretch it out and do all kinds of stuff in the background. But yeah, that's um, yeah, that's Hard Day's Night. So they made a little documentary about it. Um, and then there's like a radio documentary that I was just happened to be, happened to be listening to it driving one day uh, on whatever station it was on. It was so fascinating because um, they were going to like all these different experts about like, what do you think the note is? And then they'd say it. And then you were the sound engineer that day. What do you think it was? And I believe the person who finally was at least on the right track was um, uh, their famous producer. Uh, is it Martin, George Martin? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his the, son. The one without the RR. That, yeah, exactly. I, I believe it was his son or something like that, that he was at Abbey Road um, taking all of the recordings. Maybe it was for the Cirque du Soleil. And he actually kind of, I think, figured part of it out. But it's still a mystery. It's just crazy that like to this day, like even I don't even think Paul McCartney remembers what it is. So you can't really ask him. And like the thing is, we have it's 2020. We have audio processing engineering software. We could just find out. True. True. But well, you can't buy love, though, is, is the point. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because it don't cost a thing. Yeah. And yeah, so Jason was referencing the uh, Nick Cannon remake that came out, uh, I guess that was early 2000s. Which technically makes this uh, Beatles question canonical. There you go. <laughs> All right, we're, we're out of this. I'm, I'm running out of steam on the <laughs> shitty pun. So, Neil, that was a good question. Do you have 10 more by any chance? I do oh, have 10 more. Wait, well, before oh, yeah. you ask those, yeah, yeah, my question interjectingly. Apart. Yes. I was going to say... Uh, for all the listeners, uh, if you want to let us know which of those questions you like the best, you can go to quadriviapodcast.com to vote on your favorites. Uh, there is a there is a ongoing race between Jason and Corey. Uh, I'm team Jason because I'm never going to win. I've only won one of them. So maybe vote for me to make me feel better. But if you don't vote for Jason. Wow. Don't. Throwing the pity reference in. Yeah. I was going to say, you can vote for anybody you want. You could vote for, for Paul. You could vote for Neil. You could vote for Jeff. You can't vote for Corey. <laughs> <laughs> and yet somehow, 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 he'll still be able to. <laughs>
All right, All right, so sorry. moving along then. Uh, <laughs> Neil, you have curated a 10-question movie set for this episode. Is that correct? I have, yes. Um, I will say, uh, although my question beforehand here, our, our uh, keyword question, was not ripped apart, um, I wrote it uh, just to kind of give you a little background uh, based on our conversation because I, I know that movie questions can be hard. So the reason I wrote this is I thought for people who've never seen a Patrick Dempsey movie or have only seen Brother Bear 2, uh, <laughs> that... Uh, that the lyric itself would get all the music people and then anyone who is sort of a, a film buffer or loved those teen movies that they would get it from that angle. So, um, so that's why I wrote that, but I did write 10 questions for everyone here. Um, also based on our conversation, I tried to include as many different types of film questions that I see all the time or ones at least that I think that we've written. So nice. Uh, okay. I am uh, hot and ready for this. Let's do it. All right. And it's not going to cost you $5. It's free. All right. So uh, the first one I'm going to do here is a before and after. We talked about them a little bit. It is where a uh, movie title uh, precedes another movie title, and it should hopefully make some sort of sense. So that is what mm. the first question is going to be. So here you go. A teenage criminal is conditioned to feel repulsed by violence as his dim-witted brother, played by Jack Black, hurts his chances to get into Stanford. Oh, I'm picturing that second movie. If I can remember, I, I have it. Uh, I th I think I've got it as well. Is this? And Jeff, you can back me up on this because I'm gonna feel really stupid if I get it wrong. But is this something to do with the northern Midwest on that back half? Nope. Nope. Shit. So. Okay. So it's not Rushmore. Okay. No, it's not. Ah, crap. Uh, I I know the movie, but I'm blanking on the name. Paul, save me. Uh... It hurts my brain so bad because the plot of the first movie got stuck in my mind and then I'm I'm racking my brain for all of those and I didn't even like really hear the second half except for Jack Black and I went what? Well, I can tell um, you it's not Rushmore. Yeah, it's in the in the second movie. I think we're all on board on the first movie. The second movie was Colin Hanks uh with his slacker older brother played by Jack Black who was just constantly messing up all of his chances to go to college. If I remember the overall uh, plot mm -hmm. of the movie was that Colin Hanks was trying to get into, I want to say like Harvard or somewhere. Uh, well, according his... to Neil, was it Princeton that you said? Oh yeah, was it Princeton? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Stanford. 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 Yeah. We're all wrong. Cool. <laughs> but we've named a lot of Ivy League colleges, so that's that's points. And Stanford. Yeah. yeah. And. <laughs> I can I can maybe clue you towards the title on the second one, or we just move on. Uh, the the school in question is at least in the same state as the region that is the. Oh, okay, big... it just landed for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I, I got this one hundred percent now. Thank you so much for that nudge. Uh, should I just reveal because I got a movie and I never get a movie? Yeah, you want to take us there? Yeah, that would be a, a Clockwork Orange County, right? That is correct. Nice. Good job. Good teamwork. Yeah, no, that was very much a team effort. Um, you know, Jeff got me part of the way there. I was able to to lock down the thoughts that I had, and then Paul. Because <laughs> so uh, it wasn't Brother Bear Two. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, so this next uh, question is a tri bond, and uh, Paul had mentioned them earlier. And the way that Paul uh, seemed to write him, or at least was mentioning him, is he um, he actually did three 
people or three actors and something they all had in common, which, you know, was a loss of memory, which is a little bit of a deeper type of Tribon. This is more of a traditional one, which I'm going to give you three actors. And I just want to know uh, what film they all appeared in together. So uh, here are your actors. Vin Diesel, Ted Danson, Giovanni Ribisi. Got it. I know what it is. I almost have a guess on this, but the Ted Danson isn't ringing a bell. I, f- I think I know a film that both Vin Diesel and Giovanni Ribisi were in, but I don't recall Ted Danson being in it. So I'm really, really kind of skittish on throwing it out there. I don't specifically recall Ted Danson in it either, but it's definitely the kind of movie where somebody like Ted Danson or Paul Giamatti or someone else might just pop in. Unless I'm completely wrong, in which case I, I'm going to stop. Paul, I think I think we're on the same page on this one. I I agree that specifically this movie has a ton of those type of mm-hmm. roles in it. Yep. Is this basically shitty Wall Street? Am I thinking of the right movie? Uh, mm-hmm. Is that Boilerplate? Is that um, Boiler Room? Is what I'm thinking. Boiler Room. And I know no. that's got Giovanni nope. Ribisi, and I thought it had Vin Diesel in it. I thought it did too, but that's not the one. Okay, then I nope. don't have anything on this one personally. Paul, you want to take us there? Yeah. Is it Saving Private Ryan? So Paul answered Saving Private Ryan. Um, I will say my favorite Tribon questions uh, always have two actors who were in a separate movie to trick you. And uh, Jason... And Jason, usually by Steven Spielberg. Yeah, correct. And Jason took <laughs> the bait. So Vin Diesel and Giovanni Ribisi were in Boiler Room together. But if you add Ted Danson... They were in Saving Private Ryan. Yes. Okay, so I was wrong, but I wasn't that wrong. Okay, I will take the moral victory on this one. (laughs) Yes, you went exactly where I wanted you to go, and and you you all answered it. The reason I put this one in here, obviously, I love Steven Spielberg, uh, uh, a motif on uh, triviality, and also uh, we just had uh, Veterans Day, and it's uh, one of the best war movies of all time. So I had to put that one in here. Oh, good one. Um, Yeah, you threw me off. I would have been, if I were on a team with people who, like me, didn't know movies that well, uh, I would have been talking this into. I swear, I swear they were both in boilerplate night or boiler room. <laughs> no, no, um, I got you, you got me it. doing it, damn it. Uh, <laughs> and I would be, I wouldn't say dead to rights, but it, the teammate I would be in that moment is look, it's either boiler room or we're not going to get the point. <laughs> uh, and fun little uh, fact there, too. Um, that movie sort of launched Vin Diesel's career. Uh, Steven Spielberg had seen uh, one of his uh, independent feature films and uh, wanted to put him in the movie and uh, kind of helped him a little bit uh, with his career. So there you go. You actually just unintentionally reminded me of one of my favorite film trivia chestnuts going back to our roundtable discussion. Vin Diesel, the voice of the Iron Giant. I love that movie so much. Oh, wow. That's I a great cry. <laughs> Superman. Love it. Sorry, I'm going to get all teary-eyed over here. Neil, give us another question before I start crying. All right, so, so while Jeff uh, cries a little bit, we're going to go to number three. Um, so the background on this one, um, I nev- I've never really tried out for game shows or anything like that. I know a lot of our listeners, a lot of listeners of this show, I'm sure, have been on game shows, tried out for game shows. Um, I haven't really done that a lot, but the one time that I did uh, was right after high school, um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Maybe it was college, I can't remember. They were doing a Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Netflix um, run or special. And I was like, if there's one television show that I'll be able to actually compete, it would be a movie themed Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So I went to Medieval Times. Holy shit. Sorry, continue your story. I was just about to say, 
my fiance and I were at that same thing. We were probably <laughs> sitting right next to you. Oh my God, that's no, great. No shit. Oh, wow. I wanted to say medieval times before you did so I could prove that we were there too. <laughs> that's so great. Uh, yeah, so I don't remember the exact year, but it was medieval times. And I remember you had to take a regular millionaire test and then a movie millionaire test. And so I was only there for the movie one. So I, I completely bombed the regular one, um, which <laughs> makes sense. But the movie one, I think I only got one question wrong. And then they, they bring you to um, the producers, you meet the producers, they go over your score. And then you say, hey, we'll, we'll let you know if you make the show. And I guess I wasn't impressive enough because all I got was a magnet. I never got called to make the show. <laughs> but this was a question that was on the quiz. Uh, it might be reworded a little bit after 10, 15 years of misremembering, but it's basically the same question. And that's why I'm including it. Long story short. So <laughs> here it is. Action heroine Ellen Ripley, a warrant officer on the USCSS Nostromo, is portrayed by what actress? Okay. I got it. Yeah, it's 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 a I don't I don't know how to phrase it. It's a it tells you what it's doing style question. There there's no neat hidden information or like weird mechanic. This is this is a trivial pursuit style trivia question. And not to say that it's a bad one, but that's kind of what it is. Uh that said, yeah. I know it and that tells you where we're at on this one. I liked the question because I actually know the answer. <laughs> I find I like questions. I know the answers to as well as a general policy. <laughs> yeah. And I will say uh, when I write questions, I always include many, many clues as we've talked about. And this one, I only wrote this way because it was the way it was uh, written to me on the, uh, who wants to be a millionaire quiz, which was very clinical and straight. So I, I had to throw one of those in here. Yeah, no, it's definitely, as you said, a millionaire style question as well. Uh, Paul, what do you got? Sigourney Weaver. That is correct. Sigourney Weaver. Yay. All right. Yay. So this next one is is a little more of what Jason was talking about. It's going to have a little bit of fun uh, and something I'm very bad at, which is math. Oh, no. So oh, I am I here for this. <laughs> so I often see uh, movie questions that deal with math. And so I wanted to include one of these. This is one that I've seen at different uh, trivia events. So here you go. It's a little bit of a mouthful, but I think uh, you'll be able to uh, figure it out. Take the number in the title of the George Clooney, Brad Pitt, and Matt Damon, Frank Sinatra remake. Add the number in the title of the Yule Brenner, Steve McQueen, Eli Wallach, Akira Kurosawa remake. And subtract the number in the title of the Ethan Hawke, Lawrence Fishburne, and Ja Rule, John Carpenter remake. And what number do you have? I think I've got it. I've definitely got the first part. I, it's one number or the other, uh, in that second part, and I'm blanking on the third. Oh, I, I think I've, I think I got it. Uh, let me walk you through, make sure that I'm not too far off on these. Yeah, sure, sure. The first one was Ocean's Eleven. That's the Frank Sinatra me remake. That mm -hmm. one's the that's the the open door to welcome you into the question. The next one is the Magnificent Seven because it was based on Seven Samurai. Yeah, I and had then, seven in mind. I thought for whatever reason there was a remake that involved the number 12 floating around. So I was like 80, 20 on it being seven. Yeah. And, and then so that gets you 18 and then you subtract. If I'm remembering correctly, it's Precinct 13 was the movie that got remade. But that's where I'm. That's the one that sounds right in my brain, but I can't give you 100 percent. I'm like 95 percent. But I'm almost positive it's precinct 13, which would make the answer five. Well, I can tell you the math checks out. And I agree with two thirds <laughs> of this answer and don't have any reason not to agree with the last part. Yeah, Paul, do you, do you have thunder on the precinct 13? I 
I swear that that's right, but I could be misremembering. It might be like precinct 18 and then the answer is zero and then I feel stupid. But that's I don't want to sound right. Yeah, no, I didn't have anything on the third one. I was in the same boat for the first two. Okay. All right, we're hitching our wagon to Bim's star over here. What do you well, got? Five, final answer. All right, Bim. so as you said, Ocean's Eleven uh, was the first number. Uh, remake of a Frank Sinatra film. Akira Kurosawa directed Seven Samurai, which was remade in America as The Magnificent Seven. And the last film uh, featuring a great soundtrack uh, composed by John Carpenter, uh, including the main theme, if you ever have a chance to look it up on Spotify, Assault on Precinct 13. So five is correct. Oh, Assault. Nice. Okay. Assault on Precinct. So, so there's more to it than just Precinct 13. But yep, at least but I got you, you had enough there to get, get you there. Yeah. Woo. All right. Hooray. Yeah, somehow I was confusing the Magnificent Seven with 47 Ronin, which is not the right number of Ronin. There is only <laughs> one Ronin. His name is Addy, and we love him. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right, so the next uh, question um, is dealing with home video. Um, I think it's just sort of a fascinating time in film history uh, when um, sort of the market exploded uh, with home video. Uh, and this is going to deal with VHS. So uh, three films were chosen to be the first releases on the new format of VHS in 1976 in America. And uh, one of those uh, cassettes probably cost you around $72, which is pretty crazy. Oh, wow. Uh, so one was a 1965 musical adaptation that for five years was the highest grossing film of all time. The second of three VHS films was a 1970 biographical war film starring George C. Scott. And the third was a 1970 black comedy war film turned TV show that lost best picture to the previous film. Can you name two out of the three? I can definitely name one. I think I can name a second and I've got a guess on a third. I, okay. Does anybody else have thunder on the, the George C. Scott one? Cause that's the one that yeah, I, have I, do, I very much do. That's the one I know dead to rights actually. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. Good. That is uh, that is Patton. That is yeah. absolutely patent. And then the third clue was the movie that lost to Patton. Yep, the uh, black comedy war film. So because mm. of the wording on this, my guess is MASH. Uh, and then I'm trying to remember what the first one was. Oh, the uh, the movie 60, musical. 63, I think, was the year. The uh, movie uh, musical. 65. 65. Is it The Sound of Music, maybe? That's what that I'm was thinking it is, Paul. Yeah. That's, that's where my head went first, so... I mean, if we were us, we'd definitely lock in Patton because I wouldn't let you not uh, if we were a team. And I would be good with either hedging that bet with The Sound of Music or with MASH. MASH would be the way that I'd lean. Just it, like as soon as you started laying the pieces down, I'm like, yeah, that all of that fits better than... Uh, but at the same time, I do remember writing a question about Sound of Music being like the highest grossing film like if you follow the highest, the list of highest grossing mm -hmm. films back far enough, that was one that held it for a big chunk. So I don't know. Flip a coin. Let's be let's be snooty pants and answer all three. Oh, <laughs> we miss one, we get I five. have opinions on people who do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So your official answer is uh, Patton and Mash. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Well, th that would have gotten you credit. But uh, some extra brownie points in my mind uh, by naming The Sound of Music, you got extra points. Awesome. We put ourselves through nothing for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I thought that was so fascinating that uh, 
uh, MASH was yeah nominated the same year as Patton and a lot of the same uh, categories that it was nominated in along with Patton. It lost to Patton. So that's that's a weird cross section to put on VHS, isn't uh, it? As your first three options, yeah, it really is. I I mean, and it it covers the bases, I guess. You've got a comedy, you've got a musical, and you have a, a biopic. Yeah, like a war but, film. Yeah, man, like it wouldn't have been The Wizard of Oz or Casablanca. I mean, there's there's got to be better options than those three. And those are three fantastic films. Don't get me wrong. Just, huh. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a weird. I, I mean, I part of me sees it, like historically speaking, like they're all recent enough that people would want to be like, oh, I want to watch that at home. But yeah, I, I, I agree. That's a weird. If you're going to pick only three. That's very strange. And and not have Sylvester Stallone's softcore porn in there. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, the the uh, Italian stallion. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> OK. <laughs> See, I even know my Sylvester Stallone softcore porn, too, in the back of my head. <laughs> All right. So the next question uh, is basically just sort of a, a straight Oscars question, because you have to have one of those. Those are in every trivia game. Um, yep, stands to reason. And um, again, I try to include different ways for you to get to the question. Uh, hopefully you'll appreciate it. So here we go. What film, based on a Candor and Ebb musical, holds the distinction of winning the most Oscars without actually taking home the Best Picture prize, which ultimately went to The Godfather? Ooh, okay. So there are some ins here. It pins you down to a year or at least within a year or two. Because uh, it lost Best Picture to The Godfather, so that's going to put it in the early 70s, like 73 or give or take a year. Yeah, Musical. I think 73 is right. I That that at least feels right. It might be, see, here's that year and movie year. So it's either 72, 73, or 74, because 73 feels right, so it could go one either way. Right. And when I'm thinking movie musicals from the 70s, Grease comes into mind, but that was a couple years later. Jesus Christ Superstar, I don't think would have won that many Oscars, in all honesty, although it's a damn good show. And also, it's Andrew Lloyd Webber if I'm talking through right now. I I don't know that I have a guess on this one. The Wiz, maybe? No, because that would have been a couple years later. Is I there know. a chance this is West Side Story? No. I, I that would have been a lot earlier, right? Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. I, if I remember correctly... I don't know if it was the same year or not, but I remember Liza Minnelli won an Oscar for Cabaret around that time. So that would, I would, I would put some money on that, but I don't know who wrote Cabaret. Yeah. If we were on the clock and in a sense, we kind of are, I, I think I'd be comfortable enough throwing a guest down on Cabaret. I'm good with that. All right. Well, uh, West Side Story was a 1961 film, and I uh, have to mention it that uh, it is being remade by Steven Spielberg and was going to be released <laughs> uh, December 18th of this year, his birthday, but it will be released next year. Uh, but uh, yeah, so Candor and Ebb is sort of your musical in if you're a musical theater fan. They also wrote Chicago, but uh, the correct answer, Cabaret. Good job, nice. Jeff. Nice. Very good. I had. So what, were, were they 1972 movies that. Uh, won the Oscar in 73. That's or... correct. Yep. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So Godfather was 72. Yep. And one in 73. Okay. Uh, all right. So uh, the next fil- uh, question, excuse me, is uh, kind of related to uh, current events. We talked about it on the show. So while we were 
recording the show, I was alternating and rewriting some questions to kind of fit our entire episode here, just to kind of end it on a, a nice little uh, bookend here. So um, this question is about Netflix. Uh, David Fincher's first film since 2014's Gone Girl, entitled Mank, will be released on Netflix uh, in December 2020. It was shot entirely in black and white to evoke the groundbreaking cinematography of Greg Toland, who shot what 1941 film that serves as Mank's inspiration? Man, I am I am upset that I don't know this because uh, when when you had strong opinions about Christopher Nolan, I was like, mm-hmm. I hope he doesn't have strong opinions about David Fincher because <laughs> they're two of my favorite directors. Oh, I and love now, David Fincher. One of my favorite. Okay. Yeah. All right, good. My, I mean, my I, like, only... I like Nolan. I'm just busting his chops. That's all. My only thoughts on this are something in the like detective noir era. Um, and I don't even have, I don't have the rumbles of thunder on this in any way, shape or form. So if I'm throwing out, it's, you know, if I have to put money on anything at all, I'm putting a nickel on maybe the Maltese Falcon. If I remember correctly, uh, when I read about this movie, Mank was the, it's the nickname of the guy who was, uh, or, I don't know if this is a true story or not, but um, when I read about the movie, it's about the guy who was a famous screenwriter. And if I remember correctly, they're arguing about um, Citizen Kane or something like that. Um, But that's from me when the movie first was announced, what I was like, what is this about? Um, So maybe Citizen Kane but I, I don't I have no thunder on who directed that. That's that. I, that's literally the only. But I know it's around that time, that time period. Yeah, I feel good enough going with that guess in all honesty. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm good with that. All right. Uh, so I'm going to throw a ton of really quick trivia facts in here for everyone uh, just to kind of hold on to as I get to the answer. But uh, Mank refers to Herman Mankiewicz, who was a screenwriter. Uh, And he was the co-writer of this film. And uh, there's a lot of dispute over whether the director wrote the entire film, most of the film, or if Mankiewicz uh, himself wrote most of the film, which this film will be leaning towards. Uh, Mankiewicz also is the grandfather of Ben Mankiewicz, the Turner Classic Movies host and uh, film critic and movie fanatic. And the last thing I'll say is, um, if you've never seen this film, it's always ranked as the number one film of all time on a lot of different lists. Um, but one of the reasons that it kind of stands the test of time from a filmmaking perspective, if you're in film school or you're a filmmaker, is is not necessarily that it's a great film, but it is because of the groundbreaking cinematography of Greg Tolan and all the new lenses and techniques that he used. And that would be mm. Citizen Kane. Nice, nice. Job, team. Yeah, great job. Yeah. All right. I, I am excited for that movie. I am too. Out. So they they used a brand new uh, red camera. Uh, an 8K camera, and uh, it is the uh, red monochrome, so it only shoots in black and white. So it's not a post conversion; it's just it's it's actual black and white, which is really cool. Nice. Oh, okay. Wait, when does that come out? Uh, I believe December 3rd, or around around there. So uh, right when this comes out, this episode. Oh, nice, beautiful. So stay tuned for that, listeners. <laughs> what do we have? Right, question uh, eight. Question eight is correct. So I've included a lot of different. Uh, just uh, references to this episode that we recorded. Um, and I had to throw in a Patrick Swayze reference in there, another <laughs> standby of the uh, Triviality podcast. Uh, so here you go. To Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar, has Patrick Swayze starring as Vita Boem, a drag queen on a road trip with her co-drag queen of the year champion, Noxima Jackson, 
and their drag princess protege, Chichi Rodriguez. The supporting roles are played by What Tough Guy and Funny Guy. I got I, it. I yeah, 100% <laughs> got it. Yeah, I got nothing on this, so you guys go for it. Oh, this is a tale of two generations, I think, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think so. <laughs> All um, right, so do you want to take the tough guy? I'll take the funny guy, Jeff. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I know for sure I know the tough guy, and I'm pretty sure I got the, the funny guy too, but the tough guy is Wesley Snipes. Yep, he sure is. And um, now that you're making me second guess it, I'm pretty sure the uh, the funny guy is John Leguizamo. That was my guess too. Woohoo! A hundred percent correct. Um, and a little fun fact for all you uh, John Leguizamo, Patrick Swayze fans: um, there was a sort of a famous story of that movie. Um, you know, they were in uh, drag for a uh, basically all of the filming, and uh, during one day of filming, sort of in the hot sun, in their full dress, wigs, everything, makeup. Um, John Leguizamo kept improving uh, and not sticking to the script. And Patrick Swayze <laughs> is sort of a slave to the script. He loves, he doesn't really like improving. So they literally almost came to blows and almost fought, but remembered that they were in heels and uh, press on nails and it wouldn't uh, go well. <laughs> I would pay per view on that. <laughs> mm. uh, all right. Uh, so here are your final two questions. Uh, number nine, um, I just went with a very simple one and I had to go with one more triviality reference uh, for everyone at home. So uh, it's pretty a simple one. I either know it or you don't, I think. But uh, the question is, Red Apple cigarettes are a fictional brand of smokes used by characters of what eccentric filmmaker? Got it. I know it. Uh, I, I'm trying yeah. to stick my toe right on this one. Red <laughs> apple or manzana rojo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I have this one. And, and I, if you, I think all if, three of us have it, right? Yeah. If yeah. my Discord channel uh, is to be believed, he and I have a very specific commonality. <laughs> <laughs> That's a foot reference. It is. The rumors of my fetishism <laughs> may be greatly exaggerated. But yeah, this is Quentin Tarantino. And yep. uh, you are correct, Quentin Tarantino. All right. All right. And uh, for number 10, um, uh, hopefully you'll enjoy this one. The fan favorite character of Tommy Jarvis appears in three out of the 12 films in what franchise? Actors who portrayed him include Corey Feldman, John Shepard, and Tom Matthews. Oh, shit. Films plus Corey Feldman. I know that name. Yeah. Why is this not jumping out to me? Uh, is this possibly Jeff a horror franchise because those tend to go like 12 damn films? Yes. Yes. It's Friday the 13th. Sorry. I didn't mean to, <laughs> I didn't mean to jump <laughs> to the presses with the answer. Yes. That's it. That, yeah. He's in Friday the 13th. So who's Tommy Jarvis in that series then? Um, if uh, I can't remember which one Corey Feldman was Tommy Jarvis, uh, but he's, he just keeps popping up in, um, <laughs> I want to say it's all the way at the end. Is he like a wink to the audience kind of repeating character? Yeah, he's if I remember, because when I looked him up for Halloween trivia, he's one of the few characters that has encountered Jason and lived multiple times. And I don't remember where he ran into Jason the first time. And I couldn't tell you which one Corey Feldman portrayed him, but I want to say it was all the way at the end. So like, um, uh, what's that last one called? Freddy versus Jason, the final nightmare. Is it, is that no, the last just, one with Jason? I don't know. Um, no, didn't they reboot it? I don't know. I don't horror. 
despite the fact that my name is Jason and despite the <laughs> fact that we are literally recording this on Friday the 13th. Yeah. No, was, was it like the um, No, no, I'm I'm thinking of it backwards. He was um shit. Now I'm all turned around cuz I have my I have all the names jumbled up in my head cuz the final chapter was super early in the franchise. Mm-hmm. Which spoiler alert, it wasn't. Yeah. Cuz I was like three before he goes to Manhattan. I I don't know, but I'm near certain that this is the the little kid that um, survives Jason that shows up. Yeah, and I'm I'm okay with that guess as well, considering how we logiced it out. Paul, any clue? Yay, nay? Yeah, I think that he's right. All right, let's let's lock it in then. Yeah. Since today is Friday the 13th, I had to write a Friday the 13th question. So you are correct. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, so I uh, was what's uh, what's his name? Uh, Corey Feldman. Uh, he was uh, Tommy Jarvis as a kid uh, who liked makeup effects and things. And he survived uh, his film, uh, which was uh, Friday the 13th, uh, the final chapter, final chapter, excuse me. And then uh, Tommy Jarvis appears in Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, where um, there's a copycat killer um, named uh, Roy Burns. And then uh, Friday the 13th, part six, Jason's Jason lives, excuse me. Um, he's in it one more time. And what's kind of funny is I think uh, after New Beginning, uh, they were toying with the idea of making Tommy Jarvis actually become the new Jason Voorhees, uh, but they ended up not going in that direction. Oh, that'd be such a weird world where Corey Feldman was Jason in some weird connective sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a I have a really good friend who is a horror movie aficionado. So if he heard me stumble over all of that Jason lore that I just could not put together, well, <laughs> I'm sorry, Jake the Snake, and I love you, and I miss you, and uh, we should hang out. But after there's a pandemic, yeah. <laughs> uh, really good round, Neil. Thank you so much for providing that. Um, I love that you went like ten different formatted directions on on movie stuff i think it puts a really good pin on this episode in yeah, general so I, I definitely want to thank you for the work that you put into that uh i don't feel as stupid as i could have in film trivia <laughs> from neil fisher the guru of online and uh non-local film trivia so thank you for going a little easy on this poor poor old man oh it's it's my pleasure i'm glad that you uh you liked the way that i wrote him i just wanted to make sure that uh i tried to cross every T of, of the type of movie trivia out there. And uh, like I said, it's really hard for me to write trivia uh, for movies because I never know if it's too hard or too easy. So I throw so many clues in there, but I'm just glad that you all were able to uh, pick those up. Well, thank you very much for those questions, Neil. And thank you, Paul, for stopping by with us tonight as well. Let's uh, tell everybody where they could find you uh, when we are not podcasting and such. Uh, I've been Jeff with RMT Trivia here in Chicago. You could find me on uh, all the social media places, just search for RMT Trivia. And I also stream on Twitch on Wednesday evenings now. I've been saying Thursday the last few episodes, but now it's Wednesdays. I promise it's Wednesdays uh, at uh, twitch.tv slash RMT Trivia. I'm Paula at Hollywood Cast Connection. You can find us pretty much wherever podcasts are. Uh, we release a new <laughs> episode every Monday, so... And you can also find us on social media, Instagram and Facebook at the same handle, Hollywood Cast Connection. After you're done listening to Hollywood Cast Connection, uh, come over and hang out with us at Triviality. You can find us on social media at Triviality Pod. And we're on all of your podcast apps and Spotify. We look forward to, uh, to seeing you. 
And as for me, when I'm not doing this podcast, which you should have listened to before you go to Hollywood Cast Connection and then <laughs> went to Triviality, the arrow of time. Anyway, uh, you can find me online at twitch.tv slash liquid underscore courage. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash liquid courage. And if you feel like throwing money away for no good reason, you can find me on OnlyFans. Not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> There is no content and no plan for content, but if you go to OnlyFans.com slash Liquid Courage, I promise you, it exists. <laughs> As for uh, us, collectively, we are the Quadrivia Podcast, which you will not find on OnlyFans. You will, however, find us on Twitter and Facebook if you uh, search the handles Quadrivia Pod. You can find us on the web at QuadriviaPodcast.com to vote for uh, keyword challenges. And if you want to send ideas for keyword challenges, ideas for upcoming roundtable discussions, and to remind uh, Jeff to grab a lozenge before he <laughs> records, you can send those emails to quadriviapod at gmail.com. Uh, Neil, how do you end Triviality every week? Uh, well, we end it uh, by uh, thanking all of our guests, and then uh, we have a little bit of a sting at the end. And how do you end Hollywood Cast Connection, Paul? Uh, yeah, whoever's hosting will say, I've been Paul, and that's been Sam, and that's been our guest, and we've been the Hollywood Cast Connection. And Jeff, how do we end Quadrivia? Bye. And then just nothing. Uh, anything else before we move on through? I think I'm good. good. Yeah, I'm good. I mean, I could definitely All talk right. about movies with these guys for another two hours or so, but <laughs> fine. I'll get out of here, Jeff. Damn. Well, yeah, yeah. I could do this all day, as uh, Captain America says. So, <laughs> hey, I know that movie hey. because uh, fun fact: in the last ten years, if it didn't have MCU stamped on the marketing somewhere, I probably haven't seen it. You saw Deadpool. Proven wrong. And um, Deadpool actually, too. Uh, <laughs> Ha, <laughs> ha,